This episode is brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is the number one tool for all podcasters. You can record high fidelity audio between remote locations and get studio quality sound. Go to Zencaster.com and use coupon code that entertains for 20% off for three months or 20% off an annual plan. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. And here we are, a new week ahead of us. Uh, Looks like we went from what I was planning on being an entire week of awesome and then being caught up uh, to being uh, a couple random days here and there throughout the month of January of being awesome. But we're we're getting some, uh, some consecutive days in. Uh, we got, uh, I think, two days worth of podcasting last week, uh, and here we are this week. We're going to drop a couple episodes throughout the week. Uh, I'm really excited about this week's episodes. We got a couple good ones. Starting things off this week is my uh, amazing, amazing conversation with Chad Archibald, uh, the director of The Heretics and other horror films that you uh, should be watching right now. Before we get into that, though, I have a couple things I want to talk about. And, of course, that is the 2019 Everything is Awesome Headstrong Comedy Festival and Fundraiser uh, coming at you on January 27th from 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. across four different venues throughout the city of Philadelphia. We're going to be taking over parts of Tattooed Mom. We're going to be taking over parts of South Street Cinema. We're going to be taking over parts of Milk Boy South Street. And we're going to be going just a quick 15-minute car ride to 17th and Fairmont at Thirsty Dice and taking over a corner there. Guys, I am super excited for this festival. This is the third year I've put this together. And normally it's just a one-day festival like it is this year, but only at one venue with four or five podcasts. Um, maybe No, I'm sorry, maybe five or six podcasts. This year, we have expanded to 24 podcasts. And while maybe we don't need four venues for that, we do need four venues to also include 20-plus comedians and improvisers. I am so, so thankful and so, so... Um, stressed uh for sure uh but like really proud uh of this festival that we put together i'm super excited to see what comes of it uh in 13 days from now from when we're recording this uh we just sat down and tested equipment that we're going to be supplying at south street cinema um where josh uh from victims and villains is going to be running things for me uh, and this week we'll be testing, getting more equipment and testing it for Tattooed Moms where I'll be running things. Uh, we have our good buddy, Mr. Lauren Biddle from the Just Grubbin podcast, who is going to be running things at Milk Boy South Street for me. And then we have the one of the only Mr. David Steele from A Quest for Magic and Steel and the Steel Empire, who's going to be running things at Thirsty Dice. 
We have so many great shows like Everything is Awesome, Just Grubbin, Party in One Podcast, A Quest for Magic and Steel, Victims and Villains, I Like the Movie Movie, uh, the, the, the Ghouls Next Door, uh, Full Belly Laughs, if I didn't say that already, uh, Pod of Love, uh, Heart Points Pod, uh, Kid Flicks, My Gay Agenda, just to name a few podcasts, Brian Durkin, Adam Nutter, uh, Rachel Fogletto, Abby Rosenquist, just to name a couple comedians that are going to be at the festival. Guys, I'm so excited. This festival is free. That's a key thing to remember. This is a free, uh, a free funny festival, free for nothing. Uh, and, and, and we're getting together to raise money for the Headstrong Foundation. So please, 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 uh, I know I've been, uh, you're going to be getting knocked over the head with it for the next couple episodes about this, but please, please, please head to festival.awesomepodcast.com and take a look at what's going on at the festival. Take a look at our great sponsors uh, and, and very more uh, importantly, take a look at headstrong.org uh, to learn more about Headstrong. They are an organization based right out of here in Philadelphia uh, that takes uh, a good look at the families that are affected by cancer, and they support them with emotional support, found, uh, financial support, and residential support. All things that families, just one less thing that families have to worry about when they come to Philadelphia for treatment. Philadelphia, uh, home to, I, th- I believe, one of the first hospitals, if not the first hospital here in the United States, um, and is home to UPenn, a big teaching school here. They take a lot of these cancer cases that can't be solved anywhere else, um, and they treat patients there, and, and Headstrong Foundation helps families there. Our goal is to hit $500. Uh, we're already uh, almost halfway there, $229, 45% of the way there. Um, we're very close to 50%. I want to, I would love, love, love to hit that in the next day or two. Uh, but I, I really would love to hit 100% before the festival even starts. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because that proves to Headstrong that we're, we're serious. We're there to, to make money for them, uh, to raise money for them so that they can keep on supporting uh, families in the greater Philadelphia area that are affected by cancer. And... We can raise $500 before then, before the 27th. Everything that we've raised at the festival is just gravy, and it's just extra uh, than what, what they were looking for. And then next year, we can do maybe doing something even bigger than what we did this year. I'm, I'm always looking to grow. This was a big growth spurt for us. So thank you guys. Uh, for if, if, if you're going to be there as an entertainer, thank you so much. If you're going to be there to support, thank you so much. Uh, from 12 to 9 p.m., uh, across four different venues. Everything is awesome. We'll be performing at 4 p.m. at Tattooed Moms. Uh, come check us out. We'll be Mike and I. We'll play some games. We'll hang out. Maybe we'll have some giveaways. Uh, Abby Rosenquist will be there uh, to, to do some stand-up and to talk about uh, her life as a comedian and how she came through Philadelphia uh, and, and won Philly's Funniest. I think back in 2017. So uh, come listen to that conversation. Listen to her tell some jokes. We're working on our next guest as we speak. Uh, But let's get to this week's show, shall we? This week we sit down and chat with Mr. Chad Archibald. He is the director of The Heretics, which was, uh, you know, as you hear us talking in the episode, was around the corner from being released. However, it was released uh, about two months ago now at this point. Uh, But it's a great movie. I I sat down and watched it. It is a fan. Heretics is fantastic. Um, It was not what I was expecting, and maybe it was at the same time, but 
this is the exact type of horror movie Chad and I sit down and talk about in our in our conversation here, uh, where where uh, you're not going to care who's in the movie, you're going to love this story, you're going to love the horror in it, and you are going to uh, know and learn Chad's name here, Chad Archibald. And, and that's the name you're going to look for. And you're going to look for more and more horror movies by this guy. And when you pick up a movie that you're like, oh, this has an interesting cover. And you're going to pick it up and it's going to say Chad Archibald's name on it. You are going to watch that movie because his name is on it. He's the, he's the director. Uh, we talk about how he got into filmmaking. We talk about horror movies and why he got into horror. We, got, we, we talk a little bit about my horror experience, of course, as well. Uh, the differences between indie and major. Uh, and we talk about got fascinating stories from the set of Heretic, including uh, the, the the building of a cabin, the use of the broken down Winnebago, uh, and much much more on this week's episode of Everything Is Awesome. Without further ado, let's kick it over to Chad and Kev so they can get on with their conversation about horror movies, indie filmmaking, and so so much more. Right here on the That's Entertainment Podcast Network at thatentertains.com/network, and of course, awesomepodcast.com. It's tricky out here. We're out on a writing trip right now. So we, uh, me and Cody, the other owner of Black Phone Films, mm-hmm. uh, we go away probably once a month to just develop ideas, like okay. concepts for movies and stuff like that. So we, you know, go and rent a cottage somewhere, like in the middle of nowhere, uh, where there's no distractions, and we just cover the walls in paper and come up with movie ideas. And that's kind of, you know, where our creative, creative process works. But at the same time, you know, we, we try to, get to places where there's not great reception and yeah. you know not much internet so that we can stay focused but that, so so where uh where you hold up like whereabouts uh in the in the right, right unknown right now we're just outside of collingwood okay uh and, uh, and that's like uh uh southern ontario but like yeah. it's kind of cottage country okay yeah i was gonna say i was gonna, is that because i you're uh originally from canada right yeah, and uh, I don't, is that where you still uh, spend most of your time in the Great White North there? Yeah, so I live in Toronto. Okay, okay. Oh, so your fellow East Coast uh, uh, normally is is uh, where you're at. Is that is Toronto? That is East Coast, right? I'm do, I'm from Philadelphia, so like I, it's been and it's been years since I've been up to Canada. So that's but I think Toronto is pretty much just a little like about an hour or two north of Niagara Falls, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Perfect. All right. Yeah, so it's like right near Buffalo. Yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah. And, and, and it, this is another weird for me, like n- my interviews, because I have a day job because surprise podcast doesn't pay bills, uh, <laughs> is I, normally I do them like super late at night. So it's, and it, which is fine. Cause like I'm a, I'm a night owl anyway. So normally I'm doing interviews like up until about 12 or, or one o'clock in the morning. Uh, and it's usually works out because a lot of people I talk to end up being usually some of them are, are fellow podcasters, but I do tend to get a lot of people in the in the film industry or the TV industry, in Hollywood, I guess. Uh, and a lot of them are West Coast as well. So uh, that usually works out to my benefit when they, they're able to do night interviews uh, because it's not super late for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, uh, I actually just had a weird because the Heretics is coming out um, and we're doing press for it right now. Uh, I kind of like allocated today to like try to book everything through the day. Sort of like we read, like, the, you know, work and stuff like that. So, 
Yeah, uh, and we'll, I definitely want to get to heretics uh, in our in our discussion today. I uh, I had a chance to uh, view a, a screener of it. Um, and it is, uh, I'll, I'll save it for later when we, when we talk about th that, that whole movie, but, uh, I'll say impressed. We'll, we'll go, we'll start with that. That's a little teaser. Um, Thankfully. Good. uh, so, uh, so when, uh, when did you get the bug, uh, to, you know, what, what do you consider yourself a, a writer director, or is it just the, the more general filmmaker? Uh Oh, my ultimate goal, but yeah. But, uh, I mean, at the same time, it's like, you know, me and Cody like to come up with new ideas as well. Like, uh, most of the films that we've done, pretty much all the films that we've done, um, are films that we've kind of come up with our and ourselves. And, uh, right around the board, uh, and, uh, good. You are breaking up real bad right now. I, I now I can't hear anything you're saying. Uh, So I, I missed a lot of that. So uh, I know you said you and Cody go up and, and, and uh, you know, come, come up with a bunch of ideas. Uh, and and I, I missed, like, the origin point. So when was it that you decided to that you wanted to write and direct? Uh, originally, I went to school for multimedia design for, for graphic design and uh, websites and stuff like that. I was, like, 2000 one maybe um and then you know just had this idea to make a movie one day me and a buddy and we uh we just went out and we started writing a script we had no idea how to write a script we just like we've actually picked up screenwriter for dummies <laughs> that yellow book yes, and yes. uh and then we just sat down and you know we're a couple of weeks just wrote this i don't know it's like 130 pages or something huge long script um and then we went out and we were planning making this movie. We were going to make it, you know, in a week or something like that. And it took years. We went and we casted all of our buddies in it. Uh, just basically our best looking friends that we had in Guelph. Because no one was making movies back then. Like nowadays, it's like, hey, you can't go anywhere without people making movies. It's so accessible, right? Yeah. But back then, no one had even made a movie in Guelph before. So it was, um, you know, and there was no real internet. There's no YouTube. There's nothing like that. So it was just us kind of in like bookstores trying to figure out how the hell you make a movie. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we went out and we casted Brian Barrett, who's actually in the Heretics as well. He was just like our best looking friend um, that, that was cool with coming out and trying to be an actor. He, didn't, he hadn't really acted in anything before that. So, um, so yeah, he came out. We, uh, we made the movie. It took forever. We made every mistake in the book. Mm. And eventually, uh, eventually it got done and we sold it to Lionsgate and Lions Atlantis. Um, but when I mean, when I say like we made every mistake in the book, like it was like we did everything wrong. <laughs> like we never even had a boom mic on set. Like we had on camera audio oh, and we okay. just didn't know any better, you know? Well, um, so we actually had to go and like build a sound booth in like my ta townhouse basement <laughs> that we were all living in. And 
we had to re-record every piece of dialogue, every like movement, every clothes clothing movement, every sound, every piece of every sound that's in that movie called Best for Souls um, was created in that sound room. So that took about eight months. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like you almost had to uh, uh, not quite double, but almost double the amount of work, but, but to to redo the sound. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's just, it, like I, I learned so much from that movie just because it's like every step was like. Okay, what's next? Oh, how do you do that? Uh, I guess let's figure it out. <laughs> you know, like yeah. when we re recorded all that stuff, we were recording it in like a software called like Vegas Video. It was like, it was like not meant for audio recording, like not meant to like mix a movie in. Like we just did it all ourselves, and just like the wrong tools for the job and everything. And we just, you know, struggled through it until it was all done. But yeah, then after that, um, you know, continued making movies. We were like, wow, it's like he can actually do this and, you know, maybe make a career of it. Mm. Um, and, you know, we struggled for a long, long time uh, just doing films. We just we were like driven by the fact that we just loved doing it so much. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we did music videos and stuff like that. I think I've done 150 music videos now. Oh, wow. um, but we just do those because, you know, they help, you know, pay our rent. Mm -hmm. But also, like, you know, we get to try out new techniques and stuff. And it was, you know, it was always really exciting. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, our stuff was playing on much music and like MTV and stuff. And it was, uh, it was times for sure. And then, you know, just carried on from there. And, uh, you know, I don't know, 15 years later, we're uh, still making movies. Yeah. And uh, it's now, was it, uh, was there anything or any reason that you, because it looks like based off of at least IMDb, uh, that you you kind of hang towards the horror genre? Um, is that because was that because of like ease of making the movies uh, in in that genre, or is that like just like a a, a love that you have? Um, it's kind of like a happy accident, I think. Like <laughs> I love horror movies. I've always loved horror movies. Um, I, I was that weird kid whose parents let them watch horror movies and, you know, other parents would call my parents and yell at them and be like, you, your son showed my son this movie and blah, 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 and how old is he? And, you know, it just it was always, you know, something that they were okay with me doing uh, for whatever reason. Uh, so I loved watching horror movies growing up and, and, you know, the first movie that we did was a horror movie. And I, I just, I love doing them because they're just so much fun. And there's so much, like, I love coming on these writing trips and, like, just coming up with horror movie ideas because mm -hmm. it's just, like, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Like, literally nothing is too crazy. It doesn't have to be in reality. It could be space. It could be, you know, underground that, like, you know, a thousand years from now or a thousand years ago, you know? It's like, you can really do anything. Can people, in this world, people can fly. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like you're kind of creating something with no rules. Um, and I, I just, I, I'm really ingrained in the horror community as well. It's like we go to conventions, we have Black Bond Distribution as well, which releases films. Mm -hmm. um, and we travel around to conventions and stuff and do signings and, you know, meet tons of horror fans and a lot of them are horror, horror conventions. And uh, I just think that they're like the best people in the world. There's like the, the family of people that we've kind of met over the years doing that. I just like, if I was ever had an issue in life, it's like, I know they would be there to, to support it. And like, I only ever see them at conventions really, you know, they're just, uh, you know, really good people, 
no egos and and they just you know love the genre and and love the movies and stuff so i mean it's really fun making these movies and actually going out and you know sitting in the theater and like watching people's reactions to it you know cheer and 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 you know, clap and then jump out scares and you know it's a it's just it's just fun i think it's just a, a fun genre to make movies in yeah. and on top of that you know we are doing you know a lot of lower budget movies without big huge names in it so um you know the great thing about horror is that whenever people pick up a horror movie or you know find a horror movie to watch you know they read the synopsis and it's not as much about who's in it as like what's the story you know like what's the hook which are you know wh- ooh, this movie like sounds scary or whatever right it's like when you pick up like a comedy yeah it's like they look at who's in it yes. it's like i like those people because they're funny it's a will ferrell movie and i'll watch it because it's will ferrell but mm-hmm. you know yeah, I, I, and horror is, is something that, like, when I was a when I was a kid, uh, I was like not a, a fan of. Whenever uh, I had friends, I was the opposite of you. Whenever I had friends uh, that would throw on uh, like the Friday movies uh, or uh, the Jason movies or, or the Kruger movies or whatever, the, 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 those movies I always would be like, oh, I'm gonna go home now. Like uh, that's it's like, and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and and this is I. Whenever I get to talk about horror, I like to bring this up because it's so ridiculous. But one of the first things that like scared the crap out of me, my uh, my parents. I, I want to say I was like maybe five years old um, when my parents showed me, which I don't consider this a horror movie, but Beetlejuice. Uh, <laughs> and and the one the one thing I remember is when he turns into the snake, like the the rail snake or yep. whatever, and that I I. I had nightmares from that, uh, and, and that may have been what turned me off to, to horror movies until um, I would—I guess it was like what the early '90s, mid '90s, maybe when Scream came out. Like that's the genre, that's the generation of horror movies I kind of started weaning myself on, um, and I have only recently, at the age of 34, started to go back and watch some of the like more classic stuff, like The Thing, uh, and, and really that's the only like real classic that I've gone back to to go and watch. I have a laundry list of that I need to go do, especially since I want to go see the new Halloween movie. I, I have to go see the original. But um, to to your point, is I like never once when I pick up a, a horror movie, at least as an adult now. I, I never look to see at most I will maybe look to see who the director is versus the cast because the cast seems like not that they're not important because obviously they help make the movie good with their with their talent but it's it's always about the story and then like the person telling that story um, at least for me when, when I pick that up and even if it's like I'm not always looking for like John Carpenter movie but like I like to see oh man that's a name that I know like Sam Raimi whenever I find like a, a horror movie and I find out that it was a Sam Raimi movie I, I, I it, somehow I'm like more delighted yeah and that's really it it's like you know that's that's why I think horror is so great it's like you know it's not it's so like a lot of people on the other side look at horror and go ooh, but it's like when I look at horror I'm like oh it's it's like an art form like these are these are artists like Mm -hmm. real artists creating like content that's like special and beautiful and like like amazing feats of like cinematography it's like that's what like that's what i look at horror as well and it seems like the genre that 
uh, and unless you're getting like a big studio budget for it, it is, it's almost a genre that's meant to ha- be experimental uh, from from makeup to to how you shoot the film. Yeah. It is. It's you know about creating a mood and a and a vibe and and suspense and like you know those things aren't easy to do. Like I mm. I definitely like I'm still figuring it out now. You know I've, I've directed nine films and I'm like you know still consider myself a aspiring filmmaker, learning how to figure this all out. You know, what? It's, um, it's something that's just you know you can always keep learning at and you can always keep growing at and you know every movie's different and everything's you know you learn so much as you go and what works and what doesn't work and you know it's just uh yeah, it's a journey. Well, yeah, and I think it's good. Like when you get to the point where you feel like you're you're still not learning, it's you got to figure something out how to switch it. Like I've been podcasting for eleven over eleven years now, uh, and I still screw up. I'm still learning how to do things in podcasting because it's it's you should. I I feel like when you get to a point of whatever it is you like to do, uh, or that you do for a living, even like if you get to the point where you're no longer learning. And, and, and you're like, then you need to, to figure, you need to switch something up because um, the only way you're going to get even better is to keep on learning and evolving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So I always find it funny whenever, when we, you know, you see like a filmmaker that kind of comes on and it's like, this is my first movie and this is my vision and this is how it's got to be. And this is like, I think, you know, it's important to collaborate with people. Yes. And, uh, you know, our set is like, you know, there's everyone from the cast to you know the grips it's like you know if someone has a good idea to help something and it's like they always listen to it mm-hmm. um because i you know i i i think you know it's like there's so many different ways to do things there's no right way to do it and there's like what you want to try to achieve and stuff like that but i mean sometimes that doesn't work or sometimes it's in your head and when you sit down and like look at it through a monitor you go oh damn that doesn't work at all yeah you know well and and it's it's easy to say like oh the, like the director that's the director's film but really like and this is i'm a big kevin smith fan and one of the things that i really like that he says about his sets is that like he's he's one in a cog of a, of a whole bunch of different filmmakers putting together a movie like he and, and when i hear people that are like that and it sounds like you kind of have that share that mindset where it's not just it's not about you it's about the whole cast and crew making something unique and and a great story and and maybe a gory story or whatever it is you're trying to put out there in the world um you realize that it's not just about you and your vision it's it's open to interpretation absolutely like i mean you'll find like whenever i'm talking about filmmaking or projects they're always our projects and we're always doing this and this is what we did and this is what we learned it's like i actually say we just because it, it's i feel like guilty saying i yes you know yeah like sure i directed these movies because my name's on them but like you know there are movies we made them you know there uh it, it's a it's a village of people who actually put the effort in to make these things and you know it is about you know i'm lucky enough that um a lot of my great friends have really, you know, learned the trades and like learned how to kind of, you know, be great storytellers or, or production designers or, you know, cinematographers. And, you know, the majority of our films are like the same crew. It's like, you know, oh, Jeff right. Mahar shot everything that we've done almost um, for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, Chris Giroux produced 
produced like you know our last eight films or whatever nine films um and steph copeland she scored them all you know it's like and a lot of the crew is like the same crew that we always use you know it's um it's uh and, and they bring so much and it's like you know some I'm, I'm lucky enough that i'm surrounded by all these talented people that you know when we do make one of these things it's like you know everyone brings everything they have and they, they put so much effort into it that it's uh yeah it's always funny to me that it's like it's the director's film it's like <laughs> oh man it's like I do nothing without these people yeah and and it's you know i, I think that shows in in people's work when you when you can see a, a, a film or a television show or something where it was a, it was more of a dictatorship versus you know a democracy of everyone kind of pulling their ideas together uh it's it shows in that that final product yeah absolutely and i mean it's um you know it obviously changes so much part of the reason why i love doing independent films is that it is so it's so small and it's so like your second book to be you know, it's like once you get to a certain point where there's like unions and, you know, um, union crews and like, you know, it's, it's so big that it's, 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 it's like you lose a lot of that kind of control. Like it starts turning into like, there's too many people here. This needs to be formatted and regiment. Like it needs to be like, you know, clockwork and like you know, a lot of the personalities taken out of it and it, it does fall more on, you know, your direct creator team, like your director who's like, you know, in a tent mm -hmm. and there's like a ton of extras everywhere in the eighties, like what would you like next or you know, or man. You know, it's like what's it's uh you know, as as productions get bigger, it, it does get trickier. And I know that, you know, it's a, it, it has to kind of change like that. But that's why I love doing indie films because it's still like, you know, there's days we're on set where it's like we stop and we're like, this scene's not working. We kind of sit there and Cody comes over and G comes over and, you know, Jeff and, you know, we're basically just standing in the room with the cast and everyone being like, I think maybe if we pull it over here and that, you know, we do a push in like this, it's like, and it's like, oh, we're like over here. Like there's actually a hole that we could do in the wall here. It could go right through the wall. It's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. You know? Now, have, uh, you don't see that on major movies. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask if now have do you have any experience like the the opposite of that experience? Have you worked on anything with a bigger budget that would uh, that that made you feel like you were pigeonholed in anything? Um. I mean, every time we, like, we do a lot of non-union films, like okay. The Heretics was a non-union film, it was non-union cast, um, you know, we can shoot one hour for the day or we can shoot 14 hours for the day, mm -hmm. you know, depending on, you know, how long everyone wants to stay or what we're all feeling like. Um, I definitely, like, you know, even doing our new movie, I'll Think You're Dead, uh, it was definitely trickier as a union film, so it's like, you stop at, like, 10 hours with some of the cast and it's like, if it's like 10 hours in one minute, that just costs you three grand. Oh, wow. You know? Wow. So it's like, it's that, and you can't say like, are you guys cool? Just like sticking around for another 10 minutes and the scene will be so much better if we can get one more angle over here. And like, you know, you can't even say that because they'd be like, yeah, sure. And you never know if they're going to go to their agent or just sign their sheet different. And you can't, it's not an agree thing. It's a union thing. There is no, breaking the rules of it you know yeah, yeah. Um, obviously people do all the time and whatever but it's still like you know it, it gets to the point where it's like man like another 15 minutes here and this scene will be light years better than it is now but I can't ask for that and we can't afford to do it so unfortunately 
we're going to have to, you know, live in this moment on a wide because we have no coverage there or come back tomorrow and have something else sacrifice. You know, it's definitely like there's this strategy of it is like a big giant puzzle that you're kind of putting together. Whereas like in a non-union movie, like the heretics, it was like, we're all alone in a cabin and we're shooting and we're not done yet. And we say, is everyone cool staying around for like another 15 minutes? We'll get some pizza slowing in, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, everyone's like, cool, cool, cool. Or someone's like, I got to go, blah, blah, blah. It's like, absolutely. All right, you head out. If, uh, you know, if anybody else needs to go or whatever, that's totally no problem. Or sometimes we even say, all right, everyone's wrapped except, you know, these two actors. And, you know, we'll just have like a skeleton crew that kind of keeps shooting some little, little bit of coverage or whatever at the end. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, like the scene, worked out great like like we killed this because we had that extra 15 minutes where in the union world unfortunately it's like you know there's not that leeway yeah it's, it, it, it almost sounds like more of a job when, when it's a oh, union yeah, game sure. <laughs> it really does and i mean yeah like like i'll take your dad um i love shooting and the movie turned out awesome i'm super proud of it it's just in festivals now um, and it's getting such an awesome response. It's so different than all the other films that we've done. Um, it's, it's more, it's horror, but it's more of like a crime thriller, okay. I guess. But it's uh, it's definitely cross genres. And uh, and I'm super super proud of it. But I mean, like shooting that movie and shooting the Heretics was like completely different, completely different. You know, yeah. there's trailers on set, and like, you know, we have like. I don't know, like six trailers around this house as we're like, you know, shooting inside the house. It's like, you know, it's just chaos because there's like 35, 40 people in there trying to kind of move around the sets in between the rooms and stuff. Like we always joked, it was like, I'd be behind the monitor and things would start getting too crazy and people were moving and things were starting to fall and I'd always go, monitor! It's like, it's like the movie Mother. And it feels like that where yeah, it's yeah. like, have you seen Mother? I have not. I, I've no. I've been told I was that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it, it's like watching something go. Hey, what's going on here? Oh, oh God, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. <laughs> oh God. Oh chaos, 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 and it just keeps building, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. So the times it's like that was our code word. If we said Mother, it's like <laughs> everyone would go, okay, calm down, all right, slow down, everyone, stop moving so quickly. Let's figure this out. We're in a big knot. Well, you know. So it's uh. You know, they, they both have their challenges, though. Yeah. You know? Also, you know, we were shooting the hair six. We had no, a very, very small budget, and we're out in the middle of a field that we built this cabinet. Like, it's like a legit cabin yeah. in the woods. So, um, and, you know, the cast is in uh, a gutted old Winnebago <laughs> and, like, doing makeup with, like, you know, running off a generator with, like, no water, you know? It's a, uh, like uh or water from like a jug or whatever but it's like you know it, it, there's there's challenges involved there too when you don't have the funds to do things All right, let's, nice and comfortable let's talk heretics uh since that is uh going to be at the time of this recording released in about a, a week and a half uh november 6th it's going to be available on what video on demand uh yeah um, I should actually know the details a little bit better. Uh, it's being released through Uncorked. Uh, yes. But I believe it's on video on demand and, and TV Blu-ray. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know it's I know video on demand is what my notes in front of me say. I probably could have taken better notes, but... 
<laughs> uh, I'm gonna figure that out right after this phone call. <laughs> uh, but we'll have we'll, for sure in the show notes. You'll you'll see more information about when the movie's released. Uh, and and so you brought up a so the cabin, uh, which you know we're not gonna get into spoil te- spoiler territory. But it's not I think a spoiler to say it's a horror movie with a cabin. That's that's pretty uh, stock I think. Uh, you guys had to make that from from scratch, or did you rent a uh, cabin? No, no, we actually went out there and again, we had a pretty low budget and uh, we went everywhere looking for a cabin in the woods that we could shoot at. It was on someone's property that, you know, had a, you know, a house near it that, you know, had washrooms and, you know, like a bit of a home base. Um, And we couldn't find anything that really worked right. And I mean, that's kind of the, the problem sometimes with, you know, when you're writing something, you sit there and you picture the layout of a building or a house or whatever. And it's not until you like sit down and like draw it out that you go, oh wow, nothing's made like that. Like that's like a, like people don't make places like that. Like it's, it's not, it's yeah, not yeah. correct, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, with this, we were like, okay, we're, we're not really finding anywhere that's, that works great. And, uh, and I went out with a production designer just one day. We were like, ah, let's go into the woods or whatever. And we'll look around and just, we we're looking for like wooded areas that we could kind of, you know, shoot some stuff and potentially they were out kind of near Aaron, Ontario. My sister lives out there. So it was kind of like back in the bush way behind her place. And uh, we were walking through there and we stopped and we're like, man, this would be perfect if there was just a cabin right here. Um, and then we joked about making one and we're like, yeah, we just like, we don't, we can't afford it. We have like 800 bucks to rent this cabin. Like we're not going to yeah. build a full cabin for 800 bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like, well, what we could do is, and he had this idea that, you know, what's like the material alone um, is, is just, just such a huge cost. So he had this idea that if we went out and we went to construction sites and, you know, some of the building supply stores and stuff like that, and we asked them for all their wooden skids, like all the skids that, you know, they generally pay people to go take them away because they yeah. have so many of them. Um, that's just what they transfer all of their stuff in, right? Yeah. So we go and we ask them if we can just have their skids. And then, you know, Vince Moskowick, our production designer is like, I'll sit with Jamie and whatever, and we'll just saws all through all the nails and we'll just break apart all these skids. And then it's free wood. And I was like, that's absolutely insane, dude. Like we were never, that will take forever. And it's like, no, it's just not gonna work. And he was like, I'll make it work. And he's he's crazy. I love Vince, he's, he's like the best. So. He had this idea and he's like, you trust me, trust me, we'll make this work. And I was like, still the rest of the wood, you know, it's still, you know, it's, it's still going to be too expensive. And, you know, we're also in the middle of nowhere. So like, you know, if I go back and tell like Cody and Chris, Chris Giroux, the producers that like, that we're going to build this cabin in the middle of the woods, like way back in the bush, <laughs> they're going to be like, I hate you, Chad. <laughs> so, anyways, we had this idea, and then we had the other idea. We did a movie years ago called The Drownsman, and uh, we built a set way up in Mount Forest and uh, on an apple orchard. And there's a skid of like two by threes and two by fours there that we never used. And we kind of just like said, like, you know, if he wants to keep them as a, you know, farmer there, he was like, yeah, you know what? Fine, I'll, I'll I'll just keep keep these here, or whatever. So we ended up calling him up and saying, "Do you still have that wood?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And we're like, "Do you want it off your property?" And he's like, "Sure." We gave him a little bit of money for it, um, but like you know, a fraction of whatever because it's all yeah. like 
not rotting, but it's like it's weathered, very yes, weathered. Yes. It's, it's been out there for like two winters now. So we went out there, picked up all that wood, we started cutting cutting apart these um, these uh, these skids, and we would go out every weekend with a truck full of skids and this wood, and you know a bunch of volunteers basically, um, and we just built that cabin that- in the middle of nowhere. So we built it like there was nothing there at the start. Uh, we built the whole thing for eight hundred bucks. That's amazing. And it's it's still it's still there right now, like giant pentagram on the floor, blood stains. It's it's. I just I want to put a camera up and like wait for someone to like go find oh it. Oh my god! Because it's way back in the bush though. But it's it's awesome. Like it's hardy. Like like. When you walk, like if you walked up to it right now, it's like it's still got a fireplace in it, functioning fireplace and everything. It's like I can put it on Airbnb. Oh wow, that's fun. Rustic, <laughs> no plumbing, <laughs> um, cabin in the woods, you know. Oh wow, that that's I mean, and see, I feel like that is even you know where it maybe is easier to to do that on on a I guess a union budget or a bigger budget that that kind of story I think it makes the whole experience and, and whether, you know, for the, the cast and, and the filmmakers and stuff, but also for like the fans, like, you know, I, I'm most genre fans love to know all the nitty gritty of how their favorite thing is made. Uh, and that's, that's, I mean, that's indie. That is indie. That's awesome. Well, that's what's great about it too, is that like, even on the build, like I just went on Facebook and I said, Hey, anybody want to come out to the woods this weekend and build a cabin with me? And like every weekend I had 10 people there because they were just like, cool. I love building shit and like building a crazy old cabin that doesn't need to be perfect. It's like, it's crazy how fast it moves when it doesn't need to be perfect, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like every, so you walk up there and it's like, okay, it's a frame of something. Whenever you leave, you're like, no, it's got walls and half a roof now. Like that's exciting so we had like a ton of people who came up you know every weekend just to just to build it and you know we'd have a fire pit there we'd like camp out sometimes we actually stayed at the cabin like once it was you know semi put together and it was uh you know we we'd have a little fire and we'd cook chicken and stuff on it it was like it was like out in the woods like it was great like i love it and stuff like that and there's a there's a lot of people out there that love doing it too and just don't actually have an opportunity to do it so we had a lot of fun and were the people that came out and like volunteered their time were they all like people that you've made connections with throughout the years of going to horror conventions and stuff some of them are absolutely some of them are uh, some of them are just like you know friends that i have yeah in guelph that i grew up with some of them are like there's people that i hadn't seen in a while there's people from toronto who are like i never get out of the city i'd love to go in the country and like build something they came all the way from, you know from drove an hour and a half to to come out for the weekend and and just help out you know that's all again that's that's uh that's such a neat story for for that uh, for that the heretics, um, and and you also mentioned uh, the the Winnebago being used as like a makeup trailer. Is that the the same thing? The same Winnebago in the movie? Yeah, absolutely. That's, <laughs> we had to kick out all the makeup people, and then we had to you know we had to film it as well. Now, did you did you get was that like a happy accident? It's like, oh, we can use this as a makeup trailer, or did you uh, get the trailer to be used as, a, as for crew and say, oh, we can use this for the film too? It was actually on the property already. Um, oh, and it was just like a gutted trailer. I guess, I guess what had happened like was the people who owned it, someone in their family was in a band and they were planning on going on a trip across Canada, 
touring with this Winnebago. And, uh, you know, they got in, they were like, we're going to gut the whole thing and then redo it inside. And they gutted the whole thing and then tried to get it safety so that they could drive it to like another area. And they were like, no, you've took out, you've taken out like the foundation of it. It's not road, road roadworthy anymore. So they just like left it there, gutted. Um, so, you know, we were like, hey, I wonder if we can actually just tow that out to like near the forest and use that as like at least a bit of a home base. And, uh, and they said, cool. And then, you know, while we were in there, we were like, it'd be pretty sweet if Thomas actually like had this old Winnebago, but it didn't really drive, it didn't drive. So we, um, we had boosted it one day and we got a shot of it driving down the road that's in the movie. Yeah. And then it got to the end of the road it was an old country road that no one ever uses. It's like right where the, where the other forest was. Yeah. And it got to the end of the road and died and just would not start again. So it's like I had actually went with my truck and some ratchet straps and towed it back to like the forest. So we got that one shot of it driving and that's it. <laughs> wow. I mean, good thing you got to take one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, you know, when we're filming her waking up in the trailer. Yes. Um, the trailer's not actually moving. We just have a bunch of, you know, it's this creation that Jeff Mahar makes for like, it's called poor man's process when you're not actually driving a vehicle, but you want it to look like it is. Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of people jumping on the bumper to kind of rock it a little bit. And then he creates these things from the dollar store. They're like hula hoops uh-huh. and a bunch of like cardboard. And he just creates all these slits that are spin. They spin on the, like a thing. So it's like there's a light and these things are spinning around it. And it's just creating shadows like you're driving through a forest. That's matter. Yeah, oh, that's cool. That that is uh, that's that's so so neat. Uh, I I wish I had talent. Like I wish I could do more than talk on a microphone, because that, that, that is like it, like I would never think of that at all. To to like I would be like I guess we have to go get a new Winnebago. Or a new used one, you know? We've become pretty resourceful. We've, uh, we've done a lot of these kind of, you know, well, movies that were, are driven on problem solving. Well, and, 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 I want, and it sounds like, I don't, I don't know if maybe all indie is this way, but I think like almost like uh, horror indie films kind of make you resourceful because there's elements of horror where, it, you know, oh, it would be nice if we had a ton of money to do this, but we have to not spend all this money. So let's find an, another cool way to do it. Uh, whether it's, you know, from making a, a Winnebago drive or make it look like it's driving to, to any kind of horror special effect. Uh, is there, is there anything, um, in, in either the heretics or any of the films you've done where you're like, Oh man, we planned on doing this, but we don't have enough money. So we had to do this for your sourceful thing that ended up being better. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's every one of our movies. Literally. <laughs> um, it's funny because that's why that's why like me and Cody come up with the treatments and the concepts for the movies because we know for these ones specifically that we've been doing with Breakthrough, um, we know what the budgets are. They're small, and if we find a script that someone has written that's amazing we're probably gonna have to bring it in and cut out stuff that's just not achievable um, on our budget and then, you know, rework that. Whereas like me and Cody, when we're creating a concept, we're like, we create it from the point of like, what can we actually pull off well? What resources do we have? You know, how can we incorporate that into the story? And, um, And then we kind of like design it that way so that whenever we go into production, it's like we know kind of what we can pull off and what we can't. Um, we did a movie years ago called The Drowns, and it was like a feat 
of it was the craziest film that we've ever done. It was like in the middle of this apple orchard. It was a water-based movie. Uh, it's about like the Drownsman is like the idea behind him is like you know basically if you spilt water on the floor, he could reach up out of the puddle and drag uh-huh. you into the puddle, and you would come out of this tub in his like basement and there's like all these aquariums and pipes everywhere and water dripping and like you know there's all these kind of like water torture things that, that you kind of have to suffer through um in this thing so i mean there's tons of water um it's like the most difficult thing to deal with ever like you know when you get into filmmaking it's like people say it's like you know don't film with animals kids or water it's like just impossible to control <laughs> um, so it was uh it was a challenge and i mean I'm, I'm so proud of that film just because the feats that we had done that was vince moskowitz again who uh who we built the set with and same idea we went out and built a set with you know a lot of people who were just like cool i'll come and help um but it was a huge set there was like giant holes underneath it um like so we had an excavator dig a bunch of holes yeah. which was again it's like uh uh like a Mormon dude down the street from the farm that, you know, charged us 60 bucks in cash to like come and dig a bunch of holes and, with his excavator, right? And then we designed this whole set on top of that. And it was, um, that, that movie was just, it was full of improvising and problem solving every day. It was a new issue of like how we're going to do this. It also never had running water. So we had to heat the water and get it out to the set which has no insulation or anything it's in the middle of a field and it's like and heating water is so difficult and keeping it hot is so difficult it's like it was crazy yeah i actually i feel like a documentary about that movie would be more popular than the movie was well uh, <laughs> the movies are great but I, it's just like I, I just wish i had that stuff documented because man i've never seen so many people pull together to make something yeah like that is intriguing. Like I, I, my, you should have seen my face when you said, "Yeah, we didn't have running water on this movie called The Drownsman, where we need water." Uh, and I, I, the gears are running in my head. That's, I mean, that's yeah. That's what I love about, um, you know, indie movies and and I mean, I guess all movies. I like listening to. Uh, I, I've I have I've kind of grown out of listening to commentary tracks and and tend to listen to more like long form interviews like this where where the filmmaker or the actor whoever uh, tells the story that way versus you know wh- trying to pay attention to the film and the commentary track at the same time but uh, yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> I love uh, story like I, I feel, and it seems more at home and on, on an indie film than it does like a big blockbuster but I guess you can hear hear more blockbusters too but yeah that's I, that's I love watching indie movies and hearing the backstories to those movies because uh again i mean like you said it's, it's almost as interesting if not more interesting than the movie itself yeah for sure i mean it's funny we uh we do panels all the time for um uh horror conventions and fan expos and comic cons and stuff like that and uh they're usually, you know, a bunch of people talking about filmmaking or the industry or whatever. And uh, we had this panel that um, a bunch of us were on. It was all black con people and they didn't really have a, a topic for it. So we said, uh, we just came up with this idea. We're like, why don't we do like black con horror stories? We'll call it black con horror stories and we'll just go and we'll just talk about <laughs> crazy stories that we have on set and stuff. And it was 
the best panel we ever did. It was like the audience was roaring. People were so entertained. It was a packed house and it was like, it was just so much fun reminiscing over some of these crazy yeah. stories and situations that we've been in and how we got out of them. And, you know, it's uh, doing indie film. It's like, there are no rules. And it's like, it's, it's like rogue renegade filmmaking. And uh, it's fun. Like, it's like, that's like the beauty of it. And that's like, you know, what kind of makes it so endearing and intriguing. It's like, I don't know. It's like every day is like a different adventure, you know, mm. whereas like, once it gets unionized and all that stuff, it's like, no, this this is work, and it's like, you know, you're not being spontaneous anymore, you know? It's like, this needs to be organized, it needs to be designed, because, you know, there's a lot more money at stake, there's a lot more people here, and there's a lot, you know, time is more important, everything, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge, uh, the indie stuff, but I mean, the stories that we get out of it are, are so, so good. I'd like, wait for the day that we do a documentary or something on all these films. Well, and, and you mentioned, uh, you know, the conventions a few times and that's like this year was 2018 was the year that I said, I'm going to, you know, break out of just doing my, my show live at a bar or whatever and like try to do some, some convention stuff. And I, I've never gone to like an actual, uh, horror convention, uh, proper. I usually go to like in, in Philly in Philadelphia, they have uh, like a couple of local comic cons and then like some of the bigger ones that come through and I've been able, lucky enough to go there and do some panels and, uh, that I mean I don't it, it sounds like you guys have a blast doing them uh, that is like a, a, a newfound love that came that spun out of podcasting was was paneling and, and hosting panels and just sitting around talking about whatever with a huge crowd of people and 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 you've already said that the horror convention scene is is um, like the, the community is just real close and, and they're not a bunch of uh, a-holes or anything whereas I think some comic book conventions can have a bit of the the uh, big a-holes in it but for the most part like the ones I go to convention goers like the actual fans that go to conventions whether it's for me uh, comic book or game I go to a couple gaming conventions as well like those communities are like just nothing but pleasant people who just enjoy hanging out and sharing stories like you guys did at that panel yeah Absolutely. It's, uh, it's like, it's not work for, for us. Like I'm going to one this weekend in Niagara Falls and I'm so pumped. Like I just, I love hanging out. We have a big wooden booth that we built again out of skids. We, uh, you know, it's, it's the same with us now, but, uh, but yeah, we just hang out and we talk to people. Like we just talk to people about movies and stuff. And it's like a lot of these people, I'm like, I love talking to you guys because like you've seen the movies that I've seen where it's like mm -hmm. you go in general public and like, you know, yeah. a lot of people haven't seen a lot of these films mm -hmm. and they don't care to really talk about them either. Or like, you know, it's interesting talking to people and they've got their own stories of like, you know, did you see the documentary on this filmmaker or this whatever? And, you know, it's like these people are so knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, yeah, love hearing their stories too. Uh, we have a, we have about maybe 10 minutes left or so. Uh, so I do want to, um, kind of, uh, we've, we've glossed over heretics a little bit, uh, with, I guess without giving spoilers away so people can go see it and be, and enjoy it. Uh, what's like the, the, the pitch to the heretics that you have for, for everybody? Uh, the pitch for the heretics. Yeah. Um, it's, I wanted to do a cult movie. Um, I love the idea. Like I've always played with this idea of like, you know, what if you like of all the different religions in the world, um, you know, I have, I have a stance on religion mm -hmm. and, um, 
of all the different people out there trying to figure out what religion is right. It's like, what if, what if someone, a cult, a church, whatever it is, actually found it, you know? Like, what if, you know, what would happen if one of these people or one of these, you know, organizations actually went, oh, holy shit, this is real now. You know, this is actually happening. So it's, um, that's kind of where the movie originated from. Um, but I mean, it's about, you know, family and betrayal and, um, you know, belief. Like a lot of it's about belief, you know, it's, yeah. it's about a guy who was part of a cult and they all killed themselves in hopes that, you know, they were going to bring this entity to earth. And it's just yeah. like, that stuff happens. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, he's, he spent years after that, you know, um, thinking that all these people were crazy and then, you know, their prophecies start coming real and he has to go, oh man, that was real. Like dude, those were all real. This is this is actually happening right now and I need to kind of decide where, you know, my loyalty's gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching the, the movie uh, was an experience because I go into it not knowing necessarily what to expect, but then, uh, and and uh, I'm, I want to do this in a way that, that doesn't spoil anything, so uh, it's going to be pretty vague to to the audience until they see the movie. But it it I feel like at least twice I was like, oh okay, I see where this movie is going, and then suddenly it makes a huge left turn I wasn't expecting, uh, and and it just it was a, always a pleasant surprise when when something was happening that I was like, there's no way that they're going to go in this like there's no way there's no way they're going to go in this direction there's no way that this thing is actually a thing and and it was a thing um i don't know if that makes sense to anybody until they watch the movie but it is it's and horror movies can be um can be uh, a hard thing to to get into even for like and i guess i'm not a super horror fan i do enjoy watching them and i do enjoy my 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 uh like my b and, and c and even even the d movies are sometimes good um so so it's a lot of times you go into a horror movie and not knowing what to expect and sometimes you walk out disappointed sometimes you walk out happy i was after watching this uh i was smiling ear to ear because it was not Her- the heretics is not a movie that i think uh, you you go into no- like you go into knowing one thing and and i think you come out uh knowing something else yeah and we were pumped about this movie because it does have twists and turns and it's yeah. like you know it's, it's just more challenges as a filmmaker to be like you know how can we get this how can we achieve this throughout the movie that we're shooting completely out of order like make sure that the twists and turns hit at the right time nothing's too obvious nothing's too you know that there's surprises and like you know when the audience thinks you're going one way how can we go somewhere else you know mm-hmm. how can we make sure that this movie stands out you know it doesn't have star power it doesn't have all that stuff it's like it's got to be a good film yeah to get out there it's like what can we do to actually like you know create this journey for people so it was uh yeah it was so much fun doing that and it was so much fun like even going through like there was there's a you know there's always a lot of people like on the crew and stuff that haven't actually read through the whole script okay so it was fun like as we're shooting stuff being like seeing them even be like <laughs> oh no way like oh that's a, oh i get it oh wow cool so yeah it's, uh, I- it's fun 
Yeah, you guys did it great. Because, again, horror movies can also fall into the trap of, like, being predictable. And I, I don't, I, for me personally, I don't think The Heretics is a, a predictable movie at all. Like, it, it, you guys did. You, you guys did great. Like it was, it, it's 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 a movie that caught me off guard. I, I don't know, you know, I, I, it was something that like it didn't fall on my radar at all until I got an email about it. Um, and maybe I need to start paying attention to more indie flicks. I thought I was paying attention to these indie flicks, but I, I'm not because when this fell on my radar, I was like, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll watch this. And then um, I was like, oh my god, I got to talk to the guy that made this movie because this is awesome. Uh, so yeah, I really I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, whatever that means to anybody else, I go out there and find out where you can watch it. Uh, we'll have some stuff in the show notes uh, where you can f- watch The Heretics, which will be available November 6th, uh, at least on uh, Video on Demand and, and probably on uh, Blu-ray and DVD, you said? Uh, absolutely. And if it's not, uh, you know, the, you can always check out Black Lung Distribution okay. for the Canadian re- releases and import. But, okay. uh, but Uncorked is... Uh, releasing theirs in the U.S., and uh, they've always done such a great job with our films. Um, and yeah, a ton of other films that, uh, that we're fans of, so they're, they're great people down there. We're really excited to be working with them uh, on the U.S. release of this, for sure. And, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, like I said, it, it definitely, uh, like, now I want to go on a deep dive, n- not only after watching The Heretics, talking to you, and then you mentioning little little bits and pieces about your other films, like, now I need to go a deep dive on your on your uh, your resume, because uh, if, if the, any of them are even half as good as The Heretics, I, I think everyone would be uh, pleasantly happy with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can't wait to hear. <laughs> all right. So before I let you go officially, um, you know, anywhere that people can find you or your work that, that you want to point them in the direction to? Uh, com has all their films on it. Um, BlackFawnDistribution.com is our distribution end in Canada. Um, Uncork's website uh, for the Heretics. And yeah, I mean, Facebook. Instagram, all that jazz. We uh, we love talking to people, horror conventions. You know, yeah, we, uh, we're always around. Yeah, do you guys come down to any of the uh, horror conventions down in the states? Not that many, um, just because we we release in Canada. Okay, and we have partners that release in the U.S., so we try not to. You know, going on each other's turf. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. So I mean, we're str- we're we're usually just across Canada, um, but we definitely uh, we're talking about next year coming down to the U.S. just uh, just as kind of guests and stuff like that, and yeah. not uh, not with any product. So uh, excited to do that. Yes, I would. I would. Uh, there's there's a couple big ones on the East Coast for sure, and uh, I would. Uh, I, when you if you guys when you guys come down to to the ones that are in the East Coast here, I I will definitely have to try to get, make it out there and uh, physically say hello versus uh, over email or over the phone. Uh, Chad, thank you for being on the show. It was a great conversation, and uh, again, great movie. The Heretics is a must watch. I think for for anyone that's out there listening. Thank you once again to Mr. Chad Archibald for coming on the show. I had a great conversation with him. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys learned something about uh, horror, filmmaking, indie filmmaking. Uh, And it's definitely like talking to him and and having talking uh, to other people like Casey Spivey and just being uh, friendly with people like that. It has definitely uh, made me want to create more. Uh, for sure, and re-listening to this interview has gotten me in the mood. Like I, I uh, listen. I love this festival I'm putting together. Uh, we're we're 13 days away from it, 
and uh, I, 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 I'm not, I don't want it to go away so quickly because it, this has been a fun, uh, fascinating life, uh, part of my life, putting this big festival together. But I really can't wait to actually put this to bed so that I can go back to focusing to other creative outlets. And we have a couple things coming down the pike, hopefully, but um, I, I, I can't wait to, to attack these things. And, and, and that's because of creative people like Chad and, and everyone else we talk to here on the show. Uh, so big thanks to Chad. Make sure uh, you follow him on all his fun social medias and stuff. And this is me just kind of dragging it out as I find my Twitter application so that we can simply plug his uh, you know, his, uh, 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 his Twitter, you know, uh, Chad Archibald. Okay. Well, he is, uh, I don't think that's him. That's a lock. That's a private account. Um, we'll have his social medias in the, uh, in, in the, uh, show notes. So please check those out. Uh, because I don't have it in front of me, uh, but make sure you check out the Heretics on. Uh, it's available on demand and whatnot, um, and you can probably even order it. Just Google it, and you can order it uh, on on uh, the the media of your choice. Uh, it is very good. I, I can't um, dis- I, I can't say enough how good that movie was. It was. I, I don't. I hate saying that it was a surprise hit for me because that makes it seem like I wasn't expecting much. Um, I didn't know what I was expecting. Um, I, it's, it's a lot of what you're expecting and then nothing of what you're expecting all at the same time. Uh, go, go watch it. Um, it's, it's worth your time. It's, it's worth a watch. Um, it was a, it's, it's definitely something. And if you want, if you're the kind of person that likes to wait to Halloween to start watching your horror movies, the month of October, go ahead. But th- this is one you need to add to your list, at least for a one time viewing. It was really good. Um, make sure you follow. I found it here. Follow, uh, Chad at Archibald underscore Chad on Twitter. You can also follow his, uh, company at block at Black Fawn Films um, and check out his other movies like Bite, The Drownsman, Never Lost and uh, there's a, just go to, the, to blackfawnfilms.com to find his whole setup there. Uh, what a great conversation with this guy. Um, and I hope to have him on the show again maybe when he's not uh, secluded up in the woods of Canada so we have a little bit better reception. Um, as a reminder, make sure you check out uh, festival. Awesomepodcast.com for more details on the Everything is Awesome Headstrong Comedy Festival and Fundraiser. If you can't be in Philadelphia on January 27th from 12 to 9 p.m., guys, that's a nine-hour span of entertainment. I prefer you to be there at 4 p.m. If you have to pick a one-hour slot, come down at 4 p.m. to Tattooed Moms and watch Everything is Awesome live. Be me, Mike, playing some games. Abby Rosenquist will be there. We'll have another guest to announce very soon. But come on down to Tattooed Moms or to Milk Boy South Street or to South Street Cinema or to Thirsty Dice at 17th and Fairmont. Come to any of those venues, 4 p.m. at Tattooed Moms, please. Uh, And come support these podcasters, these comedians and improvisers. Uh, And if you can, donate. We'll be collecting money while we're there. However, however, uh, 
if you can't come down to Philadelphia, if you don't live in the area, and this is a podcast after all, maybe you're from uh, maybe you're from Maine and you can't come down, or maybe you're from Texas, or maybe you're from LA, whatever, then you can still help support this fundraiser. Um, no matter who you are, I assure you, you've been affected by cancer. Um, I was affected by cancer indirectly, and I didn't know it for years. Uh, I, I, it hit, hit close to home in 2016. In 2016, my uncle, who, who is much more like a brother to me, he's the guy who introduced me to Star Wars. He's the guy who introduced me to Kevin Smith, to Leisure Suit Larry. Uh, I was far too young for almost all those things when he introduced me to them. Um, and, and he shaped, kind of helped shape me who I became today. Um, uh, he was 16 years older than me. Uh, he, he passed away at the age of 47. Diagnosed January of 2016, passed away November 2016, uh, and and while it's not, while it's a loss for us all, it, it what always gets me. It's not the fact that I lost him because I had 32 wonderful years with my uncle, tons of stories that I could tell, that I will tell, that I have told. Um. He, he left behind his, at the time, five-year-old son. His son's now seven. And uh, that's something I'll never get over. Uh, that's the thing I can't get over is that his, uh, his son doesn't get to know who his father was. Uh, and that's tough. That's tough. Um, and then very recently, in fact, a day or two after the anniversary of my uncle's passing, his two-year mark, um, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And then just before Thanksgiving, we found out that it was really bad, that it was stage four, uh, and that it's never going away. Uh, and There's treatments, there's treatments, and, and very positive we can keep it at bay, and, and it's just something he's going to live with till he's grows old and dies from old age not the cancer <clears throat> but uh you know I, I went 34 years no i'm sorry i went 32 years uh knowing that cancer was around and that it affected people that i knew uh it's going to affect you one day it, it, it's sad to say that uh but some there's i, I find it hard to believe that that it's not going to affect somebody uh, at some point in their life, the Headstrong Foundation, based out of here in Philadelphia, does some great work. They support families that need it. Um, if if it gets bad enough, there's a good chance you or your family member or your friend or whoever may come to the University of Pennsylvania, and it's families like that that the Headstrong support financially with residential support and emotional support. Uh, so please, please, please consider donating. If if you can't come to the show to donate, um, please donate today at bit.ly slash headstrongfest. That's bit.ly slash headstrongfest. Uh, we're already at 45% of our goal, $229 of $500. Help us get to $500 and beyond. I want to get as much money for the Headstrong Foundation as possible. They are a great organization. 
Um, and I would love to to be a great source of fundraising for them each and every year. So please, 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 uh, if you're in the Philadelphia area, come to the festival, festival.awesomepodcast.com for more details, bit.ly slash headstrongfest, that's bit.ly slash headstrongfest uh, to donate today. Uh, and and I, it just means a lot to me if you could... Um, if you could donate to this cause. We like to end everything is awesome with a call to action. Super friends, there are a lot of terrible things happening right now. It can feel like you can't do anything to help, but you can. It takes people like us to make a difference. One of the easiest and most effective ways to action is to call your representatives about issues that are important to you. Issues like the government shutdown. That is still a thing that's still happening. Nothing has changed since the 7th. Uh, you know, we're still in a shutdown. Things are getting worse. The FDA isn't doing their, uh, solid checks on food now here in America. Uh, and that affects everybody. It doesn't affect just, uh, you know, Americans, you know, it affects, yeah, other countries have, may have their own, uh, version FDA that checks food for them, but the FDA checks when food gets exported and, and, and checks the food when it gets imported and it makes sure, make sure it's, everything is up to code. Um, you know, air travel's not safe right now, guys. Uh, there's, there's an agency that, that does final checks after the companies do their own checks. That's not getting done. Worse more, there's people working that have to work. TSA agents have to work, but they're not getting paid. Government workers, a lot of government workers live paycheck to paycheck, just like everybody else does. All right, so this needs to stop. The government shutdown is ridiculous for a, for a $5 billion wall that, that I think has been proven is infallible, even if we wanted it. Um, so, you know, call your representatives to 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 help shut down this government shutdown. When I call my reps, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number 5calls.org. There, you'll find issue summaries for issues that are important to you, contact information for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure your message gets across. Calling is quick, easy, and is one of the most effective ways to have your voice heard. Thank you to all of our supporters on patreon.com slash that entertains. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to bring this episode to you. If you want to support us in a non-monetary way, word of mouth recommendations and five-star rating reviews on iTunes are the best way to spread the good word of awesome. You can find us on facebook.com and twitter at realawesomepod or at awesomepodcast on Instagram. And we're available on awesomepodcast.com and thatentertains.com slash network. Get news about everything is awesome from our website, social media accounts, and also on my personal Twitter at thatnerdykev. If you're interested in ad rates, live appearances, help with your podcast, or have a question or comment, email us at awesome at crudehumorstudios.com. Everything is Awesome is a production of That's Entertainment Podcast Network in association with Crude Humor Studios. Crude Humor Studios is a Philadelphia-based production company specializing in audio, video, and live performances. You can find more info at crudehumorstudios.com. Thanks for listening, super friends. We've been awesome. That's Entertainment Podcast Network. Entertainment and culture. Artist-owned. Fan-supported.